Well, hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA, also on 580 AM. I, <laughs> we're all over the place. We're everywhere. We got you surrounded. Just flip your dial around. <laughs> you'll find us. And we're back. Uh, <laughs> I am Joel Hunter and I'm here as always with your host, Joel Hunter as well. Hello, Pop. Hello. So uh, tonight is, uh, what is it? Wednesday, January 23rd. Yes, uh, it that's, is. Uh, that's the day that it is today. This is a big month for me. It's my birthday month. I uh, know. Yep. I uh, 56 years. <laughs> <laughs> you are not that old, bro. <laughs> um, so we are talking uh, tonight, and we have a, a special guest with us uh, coming later that uh, is, is, is kind of uh, an expert on this, the idea of, of having a heart for the community. Yeah. Uh, because we all live in our own uh, little house uh, or apartment or other on that checkbox list, but it feels, you know, as if we have our own familial unit or that we're just by ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so it can escape us that we we have a community around us, whether we realize it's there or not. That's right. And this guy deals with high stress situations, which tend to break us out of the bubbles and make us more of a community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things people always, the, the big one people always go to is they talk about, you know, remember right after 9-11, yeah. you know, because... Uh, everyone would agree 9-11 was one of the worst things to happen ever in the history of the U.S. But one thing everybody recognizes is there was this period of time, and I remember it, you know, where yeah. there was this magic couple of weeks where everybody was like, hey, that's, but it's it's us, you know, it's that's all of right. us. We're all in we this were together. all together. That's right. Uh, Toby Keith wrote a song about it, you know, <laughs> and uh, people who'd never listened to country music were like, yeah, this is the U.S. Well, and part of what this does is it <laughs> reprises what, the way a lot of us grew up. A lot of us grew up feeling like we belonged to a community. We knew our neighbors. You know, there was, there, air conditioning really hadn't been invented yet. So we were forced outside at night to yeah. talk to each other. Um, and... All the neighbor, many of the neighborhoods had little grocery stores at the end of the street, you know, um, and so it was a different world. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think the, the crisis moments kind of make us need the kind of community where we've got to find others to get in touch with. Yeah, because even thirty years ago, when I was at that that age uh, where you're where you're all playing outside. I mean, I still remember the the Brunos and the Knutsons and the Maritons, oh, yeah. uh, the, our neighbors that lived around us uh, that are just all your best friends by default because when you go stand on your lawn, uh, that's who you're standing <laughs> with. And right. you're like, well, what are we going to do today? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to play. I go see. <laughs> Fate has brought us together. <laughs> Time for capture the flag. Um, and uh, and now uh, there's there's been a general shift where I, I feel like people are a little bit more insular um, and uh, interestingly enough, one of the one of the ways that that gets uh, either uh, okayed or or the 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 way that people try to the antidote for that is people uh, g get their faces even more glued to their computer screen. Exactly, uh, and that's true if you are someone in uh, that's that's older than 30 and you spend a lot of time on Facebook. It's right. true if you're someone that's younger than 30 and you spend a lot of time on Instagram or uh, on, uh, what's, what's that one? Uh-oh, I'm uh, younger than 30. Uh, that one, Snapchat, that's okay. the one. Um, and then if you're somebody who otherwise thinks of themselves as pretty antisocial, it's the, it's the whole gaming community. I mean, there's, yeah. you put on a pair of headphones and a microphone right. and you're chatting with people all over the country. Right. Um, but all of that's kind of led away from this, this community, this idea of these well, are the people around me. It it's, gives you a, s a sense of community, but it's faux community. Mm -hmm. It's like a virtual community, but 
without the constant interaction where you're actually talking about each other's lives, you're going through experiences together, mm-hmm. you've really shared life together. Um, and so it's kind of an illusion. Yeah. Well, I think as as humans in, gen- in general, I mean, there's a natural temptation that's bent towards being a little bit inauthentic, only putting on the best face when you're around people. Uh, nowhere are you given carte blanche to do that, like the internet, you know, you exactly. can be, like, uh, you can set up the perfect picture for like, oh, just enjoying an evening with my nice book, but the rest of your house is a mess. <laughs> and, and you can, you can purposefully put this image of yourself out there in a way that, uh, that you, you can't, uh, because you have to be authentic with the people around you a little That's bit right. more. Cause they see you when your hair's all pushed to one side and, <laughs> and they, they know your, your dog gets out three times a week. That's right. Keep bringing back Shelby every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was our dog growing up. Um, so uh, one of the things that our research department looked at uh, as ways to talk about, you know, the idea of community and and uh, and and bringing people together was this uh, this article that was seven ways to learn to love your community because I think it's it can be a learned thing and it that can. that escapes most people. The way I know that it escaped me until I saw this and I was like, I guess that makes sense. You could uh, learn to love it. What were some of the ones that you thought were the most well, helpful? I, I, I really like the idea um, of subscribing to your local newspaper. Um, if you come from a small town, they'll, they'll talk about Aunt Bertha's birthday party. You know, that's, <laughs> that was my first church. I mean, they literally had local news where they would describe, you know, the ladies' parties and what they had, the dresses <laughs> that they wore, really and what great. food they brought. It was awesome, <laughs> you know. Really but even, uh, you know, in Orlando, uh, where we live, the Sentinel um, kind of has this local section where you can kind of keep in touch. Um, and you feel like you're a part of um, of a community. And it also, the second one, the research department uh, suggested, thank you, Becky, she's our research department, um, is uh, going and using your local library uh, as well as finding a local uh, house of faith that you can become a part of. Yeah. One of the things that uh, about a library that, that I, I, I read this somewhere the other day, it's one of the few places, one of the few buildings that you can go and be in there and there and you're not uh, there. You're not trying to be sold something. Uh, you know, when you're in the library, you're just there to you look at your books and you read and here's our computers, use those too. Uh, but there's not this concept. It's not, it's not the same predatory vibe that you get. Um, there, uh, there's that, there's that vibe with, uh, with, with marketing all the time and stuff like that. And, uh, I don't know, maybe the library should market slightly more because, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like oh, there might be people listening. They're like, is there one in Orlando? Uh, cause I, I probably wouldn't know it except that I lived near it for a while. Uh, but we have this oh, really, yeah. it was really great Orlando library. Um, another one on the list that I thought was, uh, it seems so simple, but it, it, it's not necessarily self-evident. The idea of visiting locally owned businesses. Yes. Uh, because you've, uh, and it's, you know, when you go into a Panera or a Chick-fil-A or whatever, there's, there's, a, there's a person there who lives locally who's the manager there. But there's a difference with these businesses that are locally owned and it's, a, it's an independent shop. Uh, and I, I've started doing that a little bit more. It's it's interesting. It really does make you. It feels a lot more like Mayberry. Now, now, how do you find out what businesses are locally owned? If it has a weird name, <laughs> then you can know. You've never never heard of this place before. Yeah, like so. If you uh, so if you go to a coffee shop and it's called Starbucks, then uh, you, you that has a name that you're very aware of. If you go to one and it's called like uh, Wing Dings and Saddle Shoes. <laughs> 
then you're like, I bet you. And sure enough, you walk in, and uh, it really is interesting. But there, uh, there's it, it basically if it's a, if it's a business that you've not heard of before, the yeah. chances are extremely high that it's a it's a locally owned uh, business because uh, there's in every city that you go to, if you travel, there's going to be your Chili's and your Applebee's and your Starbucks, uh, and then there's different places that are that are. Uh, called things like the turtle's shell or or grandma's goggles or whatever, and those are <laughs> yeah. places that are that are more uh, locally owned. Um, so today, uh, when we uh, when we uh, get into the topic of of specifically uh, what brings out a sense of community, and uh, and and a lot of that has to do with crisis, uh, because a crisis is uh, something that that kind of takes it kind of wipes away some of that inauthenticity you know it forces you to be real yeah because it's it's life in its rawest yeah it's kind of like you forgot you forgot to put your wig and mask on uh (laughs) you just run out and you're like oh gosh what's happening out here and and so people get to see each other as they really are um and our guest that we're going to be talking to in the next segment his name is Dwight Bain, and uh, if you've listened to the radio before, you've probably listened to Dwight Bain before because he's an expert on uh, on all of this stuff about how to manage uh, crisis, how to react in situations, how to uh, absorb things in a healthy way, uh, and how to reach out and build stronger communities. So when we come back, we will be here with Dwight Bain. We'll see you in just a couple of minutes. Hey, we are back on the bright side. This is Joel Hunter. You may remember me from such things as that recent commercial <laughs> 10 seconds ago. I, I, was, I was sitting here talking with Dwight and my father, and then I was like, hey, I think that's me talking. And I, and I realized, so uh, apologies for that. This is not about LASIK. This is about uh, building community. So uh, Dwight Bain is with us today. And uh, if you haven't ever heard him talk before, basically, uh, he's the guy that you want to bring in if something has happened that has people really, really rattled. Uh, he's, he's dedicated to helping people uh, deal with uh, acutely stressful situations in ways that will help the most long-term did I get that right? Is that close, close enough? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll Basically, if it's that. really bad, yeah, and I show up, and some places, you know, bad things have happened a couple of times, and somebody in the building didn't know, and I'll show up, and they'll go, "Oh, dang it, Bane's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something's bad." <laughs> I know it can be good when you walk in the door. Yeah, like, hey, Ben, there's mm. a there's a black cloud, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. You you never. I, I've had that happen before when you uh, when you get home and there's an ambulance in the street, and you're like, "Well, I don't know what happened here, but it's something. Something can't be can't be good." Um, so you've built a career out of. Uh, helping people in a, in a pretty unique and specific way. Can you give us some insight as to how that, how that developed? Was that something you were interested in from youth or how did it, how'd you end up here today? So I love telling the story because I'm a person of faith and I can't take credit for it. Uh-huh. I'm nine years old and I'm standing. My mom said, take the check to the Charles chip and Tom, you remember Charles chips, right? So Charles chips and she said, take the check to the Charles Chips guy and get the chips. Now, to listeners who are maybe from a different era, they would bring you fresh, hot, I mean, real potato chips, fresh, hot, salted in a can. Oh, it was yeah. like a taste oh, of heaven. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a better time. That's yeah. Yeah, oh, We don't have any good. Charles Chips anymore. We should Charles bring that chips. back. I'm saying. <laughs> I walk up, give the guy the check. He tossles my hair. I'll never forget. I went back and did a TV special there. I was nine years old. He said, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
looked the man square in the eye and said, I want to be a Christian psychologist on the radio. Nine years old. Seriously. Oh, is, that a, is that a true story? Seriously. Nine I thought, years old. I thought that was just a really, really, a, really a cerebral <laughs> joke. Uh, I was like, that's a real thinker. <laughs> so when I was growing up, my parents didn't have the benefit of college. So we went to the Orlando Public Library. Today, the Orange County Library. You're talking about yeah. the library. Our library, 2018, Library of the Year. Love Orange County Was it County really? Library. Wow, I it's did not phenomenal. know that. phenomenal. That's really incredible. Right, so I love the library, place. but my yeah. parents didn't have college, so we went to the library every week, checked out the maximum number of books. Back then, it was 16 books, and you checked out 16 books, you know, because, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh-huh. So I read, you know, 16 books a week, and my parents, because they didn't have the benefit, they came from a lot of broken family stuff up in Kentucky, and Zoomed down here to Orlando, and, and they always listened to a guy on the radio named Clyde Naramore. And Clyde Naramore was the pioneer Christian psychologist in the 1960s. He trained James Dobson and Tim LaHaye. So he trained a whole era mm-hmm. of these Christian psychologists, faith-based psychologists. And I'd listen every day. He had a 15-minute and a 30-minute, right? Tom, you're a radio guy. And so he was on twice a day, longer show. And then and he wrote these little booklets. And so as a child, my whole childhood, I'm listening to a program called Answers for Living, and my whole childhood is, that's what I want to be when I grow I'll up. Be. So in, in, in my high school yearbook, next to my name, it says Christian Psychologist Radio. Oh, for heaven's And college is, is actually pretty easy <clears throat> if you know what you want to be when you grow up in yep. graduate school. I went to seminary. Yep. It's not a hard fit when you know this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Mm. And, and so by being able to, to think... And not just any other city, because I've had opportunities to to travel and be in different places, gotten job offers in different places. But this is my home. This is my yeah. mission field. Yeah. So, Joel, when you talk about community, this is my hometown. Yeah. I think the research says this is one of the most visited places in the United States. It is. It and is. people visit here. But there's a downside to that, because sometimes they visit here, but they don't feel connected. And that's yeah. why I love what you're doing yeah. about community. And I'm happy to Good. be part of the conversation. Tell, tell us, what are the, some of the differences between um, helping someone, helping an individual who's going through a very traumatic situation or a high-stress situation and helping a community go through a high-stress situation or a traumatic event? I'm glad you said that because I believe everybody goes through tough times. I'm a person of faith and the master teacher before he was taken, said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have difficulty. You will have crisis. And I believe I don't get to pick crisis, but I believe that crisis will come. It's kind of like a circle continuum. You're either in a crisis or you're just coming out of a crisis or buckle up, buttercup, Mm -hmm. because you're about to go into a crisis Mm -hmm. because cancer doesn't care what your zip code is. And sometimes a person will be cruising through life. We've got everything. The bills are paid. Life is good. And something will happen to a family member or a family member will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Every 58 seconds, somebody's diagnosed with Alzheimer's in the United States. And so when I look at crisis, a community, I think Hurricane Michael, can come together. Or right now in Highlands County, a community will come together, that small community near Sebring, Florida, five people killed at a SunTrust. And the community will come together. And a crisis will bring people together that maybe yesterday didn't know each other's names. Maybe yesterday didn't even like each other. But today they'll band together because the hurricane knocked everything down. Hey, my name's Dwight. I'm your neighbor. In a personal crisis, because a big crisis would be like a shooting, 
a school shooting, a hurricane, a disaster, terrorist attack, right? That's big, and it brings a whole community together because it impacts the whole community. But the more likely crisis events in life are a car accident, a child drowns, you know, you lose a grandchild. Mm -hmm. Something happens, and then I have coworkers, friends, maybe people in my house of faith, maybe a neighbor who sees all the flowers coming to the house, and somebody shows up and says, you lost your mom, I lost my mom. Can we go get coffee at Grandma's Goggles? Mm -hmm. Because I like to support local organizations. That's right. yeah, that's and right. I think we should spend some time together. Yeah. And so one-on-one, -on -one, tremendous healing, tremendous relationship connection. But on a larger scale, if the crisis affects the community and the whole community comes together, the community gets better. Orlando pre-Pulse shooting had a lot of groups that did not care for each other. Yeah. And I grew up here. This is my hometown. Mm. My, my parents moved here when I was six weeks old. So when people say, oh, you, 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 know, you were born here. No, I missed it by six weeks. And it wasn't because I don't love it because I love Central Florida. But pre-Pulse, there were some groups that didn't care for each other. Hours, hours after Pulse, people that didn't talk to each other before yeah. said, you are my neighbor. Yeah. Or and I saw people that maybe didn't care for each other hugging and saying, you lost a son. I lost a son. And I've seen how that there's this incredible healing after an incredible tragedy. So with a, with a tragedy like that, is it something that it's an automatic thing that people will get closer together, communities will form, or is it that there's something that people have to intentionally do right? Like what did Orlando do right to come together after Pulse? I don't think anybody's asked me that question, Joel, and it's an insightful question because around the country where I speak uh, frequently, you know, in, in, in Boston, you know, the bombing or the shooting in Las Vegas, the mm -hmm. concert shooting a year ago or Sutherland Springs. And frequently people will say, Orlando was different. What did you all do that was different? Mm. And, and what I, and I'm not really expressed it, so I'm going to stumble through this, but, but what I saw that was different was the faith community, the mental health community, the business community, and, and, and just people that live in South Orlando said, these are my neighbors. These are my friends. This is somebody's son or daughter. I've lost a son or daughter. And it was almost like people didn't care about LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. They didn't care about a, a religious label. They didn't care about Republican or Democrat. And folks just kind of came out of their silos and out of you know their, their normal little bubble that we talked mm -hmm. about before we came on the air. Mm -hmm. And the bubble burst. And they, they didn't just come alongside. They came alongside and hugged and donated blood mm -hmm. and brought bottled water. And it was the idea of, and I get choked up when I think about it, it was like it happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so this painful crisis caused people to say, I don't care what's happening on, on social media or reality TV. I'm going to go love my neighbor. And I believe that when we do that, we are expressing the love of God. And, and I think sometimes it's easiest to do that after a crisis because nothing else matters except saying, Wow, you got knocked down. Let me help you up. Mm. To me, that's that's what the master teacher was about. Well, if that is you stumbling through an answer, you are the most <laughs> exceptionally eloquent man. That, that was, <laughs> he stumbles like ballet. Holy moly! He's like, I'm gonna stumble through this. I kept looking for notes, but there weren't any. That was, that was remarkable. Yeah, you because you got to watch that same thing, Pop. I mean, I remember you being a part of that, and you actually got some blowback after. But well, I remember that I, absolutely. And and but for me, it was a moment of self um, acknowledgement. Um, that I did not have 
the I lacked the relationships in that community. Hmm. And I was so ashamed of myself because I've always, you know, seen myself as somebody who builds bridges to people who are different yeah. than I am. You're an and, includer. Uh, yeah, and, and especially those people in a vulnerable community. And I had totally missed it. And so I had to I had to repent and and call up a local um, uh, pastor who um, uh, happens to be gay. She's a, she's a pastor at uh, Joy Metropolitan uh, Community Church. And I said, can I come and talk to you? I, I don't want to discuss, you know, the whole issue of straight gay. I just want to get to know you hmm. as a person. Exactly. And so that was, uh, it a just broke human. me out of my bubble. Yeah. Instead of a hurting human who has a label. Yeah. If somebody up in the panhandle, there are a lot of folks that care, that cheer for a team in Tallahassee with maroon and gold and uh, I forget the name of the team. And then in Gainesville, (laughs) you know, my University of Florida Gators, right? And it was interesting because I forget the name. I think it's a big school. It's a nice school. A lot of nice folks. The the Biminals or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. But man, my Gators. But after a crisis, people don't care what team you cheer for. Yeah. People don't care. Oh, you yeah. go to church? Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? Didn't know that before. They care that you care. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. care that you show up. You know, sometimes folks will say, well, I have a coworker and her daughter just died with cancer. What do I say? Uh, show up. Yeah. yeah. Hug well, them. That, it'll, it'll, it'll work. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, when, when we come back from this break, what we're going to be talking about is more of that idea of how to care for people and how to get past those labels. Hello and welcome back to the bright side. Again, this is Joel Hunter, and I apologize again. Uh, the planning <laughs> on that commercial playing. Apologize. It was. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, you got a silky smooth it voice. Feels so mercenary. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, this show you do is not have to apologize. You do a it's great work. Man. Not about LASIK. Uh, this show is about helping you help others. And somebody who I would say is a certified expert in that is Dwight Bain, who is our guest today. Um, and he's somebody that uh, you want to have around if there is some sort of crisis, something that has shaken off all of the kind of trappings that we put on us, the insulation we put around us. Uh, crisis, huge tragedy really does kind of make us authentic, whether we want to be or not. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's something that's a hard transition for people. Um, when you're talking to people and you're, you know, you're there on the scene and the, the list of different major events, it's impressive to me how bright and cheery you are because you've been boots on the ground in a lot of really tough places. Um, do you find that there are people that naturally are built to just, they've got broad shoulders and they deal with it fine, they don't really need any help, uh, versus there's people where, no, I'm zeroing in on this person that, you know, they, they're, they need a little, they're, they don't even realize how much, how much trauma they've been through. Yeah, so when you think of, of trauma, I'm going to give you big T trauma, little T trauma, and and it affects the brain. Uh, both affect the brain in a cumulative way. Big T trauma. I was in Highlands County. I was in the bank. I saw people bleed out, shot, killed in front of me today at a Sun Trust. Right, big T trauma. Mm-hmm. Saw somebody die, uh, suicide. Big T trauma. Big T trauma. You were in Afghanistan. Big T trauma. You were at Parkland and you saw people killed. Right, big T. Somebody killed in front of you. You, know, you may have seen this morning in the Orlando Sentinel for, you know, again, Orlando, the most dangerous place in the entire United States for pedestrians. More pedestrian deaths in Orlando 
And we have been really um, even been, the New York City, huh? That's that is amazing. Every city. How about that? We've been the the oh, most goodness. dangerous place for pedestrians in the last ten years. We've been the most dangerous nine, and that year we came in next most dangerous for Jeez, pedestrians. Oh Pull it together, drivers. <laughs> <laughs> right. No texting and driving, Holy yeah. cow. or trying to walk across a crosswalk. <clears throat> and when you see that, you know the little number thing counting down. Yeah, you you know it's yeah, this is a dangerous place, right? Yeah. So big T trauma. I see a pedestrian killed in front of me, and in Orlando that happens every few days. Mm-hmm. Big T, little T trauma, little T trauma is cumulative, but to the brain, it does the same thing. So I go through a divorce. I go through a foreclosure. I go through a bankruptcy. I go through being fired from a job unfairly, little T trauma. I have a family member with a health problem or little T trauma. I have a house and the builder cut some corners and the house has problems and I'm in litigation. Each of these traumatic things, little T, somebody's unkind to my child. There's abuse right? Little t trauma. It's not, you know, the twin towers fell down, but to the brain cumulative, it it does the same thing. And it starts to make this prefrontal cortex right here in the, you know, behind our forehead go numb. And so people that have been traumatized, they can't really think clearly, which means they can be exploited Mm -hmm. and taken advantage by, uh, you know, by other folks. And that's why Mm -hmm. I appreciate that we reach out to people that maybe don't have a voice. And sometimes they've been so beat down they can't even really think clearly. How, how do you do that, Dwight? I mean, if, if you know somebody who has been through an obvious tragedy, um, there are a lot of us that would like to be helpful, but we, quote, don't know what to say. I, I would say something, I don't know what to say, and I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, I don't want it to hurt more. So what would you say to those folks? How would you uh, coach them uh, to, a, to be a, helpful? It's a good word. And I'll tell you what it requires is something Brene Brown talks about in a TED Talk on vulnerability. Because when I say, wow, you just lost a family member. Wow, you were just diagnosed with cancer. Sucks to be you. Doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. If I stand there deer in the headlights with my eyes really big going, oh, I'm so sorry, you're going to die. Doesn't really seem to help much. Mm -hmm. But if I'm able with compassion to lead with my story, to be able to say, you know, let me tell you a story. I had a heart attack 12 years ago and Orange County Fire Rescue came and, and picked me up and, and, and coded me and fixed me and do whatever you have to do to get me to the hospital. And four stints later, I'm, and 12 years later, I'm, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And every day is a bonus when you've had, when you have coronary artery disease and heart disease. Mm-hmm. And I've lived through a health challenge and all the pieces. And, and I heard you might be going through something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I can lead with my story, I, I grew up in, in, in a religion that they would have on, on, on Wednesday nights, they would have what was called testimony night. Mm-hmm. And the testimony was about the test that you were going through, not a test in school, but here's a challenge that we're going through. And you talked about how your faith got you through the challenge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I'm able to share a story about how we survived, my wife and I've, you know, you know, we've seen fire and we've seen rain. We've seen, you know, difficult mm-hmm. times, you know, whatever the song <laughs> lyric is. Yeah. But 34 years, we've seen a lot of challenges. Yeah. So it sounds like what you're saying is if somebody's in a situation where they have been made vulnerable, they've been they've been laid low despite what they wanted, it's it's the responsibility of someone talking to them to just to make yourself vulnerable in order to to meet them there. I, I think that's uh I think it's a fast way to approach something to say me too, you too. Mm-hmm. Because if we have that connection point, now all of a sudden it's safe to talk. Somehow I have to make it safe. Now, if you don't know what to say, it's really simple. 
don't, you know, what was it, Thumper in the Bambi movie? If you don't, you know, what to say, don't say nothing at all, or don't have nothing nothing nice to say, mm-hmm. don't say nothing at all, mm-hmm. bad grammar. And so if you're not sure what to say, don't make it worse. If if somebody just found out that they're, you know, oh, wow, your, your, your child drowned, which happens a lot in Orlando, Orlando, Central Florida leads uh, Florida, in, in accidental in drowning. Jeez. Right? Yeah, I know. I got to get out of here. It's just a depressing move. I'm sorry. I'm in real danger. Yeah. But if I you had no idea. You say, my gosh, you know, you guys are young, you have more children. That doesn't help. No. And so sometimes people say things because they don't know what to say. I want them to hush. But for other people to say, I know you're going through a tough time. Can I help? And most folks will say, yeah, we're fine. We're good. And to say, honestly, when we lost our house, you know, we had some people that came in the foreclosure and they just mowed the grass. Mm-hmm. And would it be okay if we just came and helped mow the grass mm. to step up in yeah. some places, you know, in, you know, where people are battling cancer, they'll make casseroles to share with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But to just, to be available, to step up, to say me too. I believe everybody on this planet is going through something. And, and somebody listening right now, you're going through something. And maybe if you take your whatever you're going through and you find somebody else who's going through it it is cheers yeah. you know where everybody knows your name yeah. and everybody's problems are the same and everybody's glad you came yeah. and then when i'm in an environment like that with other fellow strugglers together we actually get stronger we build more resilience mm. is it, one of the things i'm hearing you say is that um <clears throat> if you're not ready to either on the listening end or on the talking end to really go into the deep psychological pain uh, it's okay to talk about practical stuff. Yeah, uh, casserole. That, yeah, yeah, because because nobody needs to um, feel like they have to be a a, a counselor. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Joel. And I'm glad you said that because I don't want you to you know be be Doctor Phil. I want you to be a neighbor. Yeah, I want you to if you're a coworker, everybody knows somebody who's you know got a kid who's struggling with this or that, and when you're close enough to someone. I want you to kind of pull the mask off and just say a uh, principle that I live by. I am screwed up. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Dwight. I'm screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I believe that healthy people admit they have problems. They're screwed up. Mm-hmm. But I believe really healthy people do something about being screwed up. And then they share their story of here's what helped us. Maybe it'll help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're going through that with your mom. If you guys need childcare, our kids kind of play together. We don't know each other that well, but you know, we'll take them to the bounce house and, yeah. and you can go take your mom to her doctor's appointment. Yeah. Hmm. Simple acts of kindness go a long way in building relationship. You know, if uh, I have another question. If I've, I've, in almost 50 years of ministry, I've been around a lot of people who have just suddenly lost someone. Um, and many times the surviving spouse or the surviving family feels like they need to know what to do next. And they'll, they'll go around the house and they'll say, um, I don't even know our bank account. I, I've, I've got to, I, I don't know how to do this. I, 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 need, to, I need to do something. Um, um, what do you tell people to give themselves permission just to sit um, and not feel like they have to know something they don't know? When somebody's going through major tragedy, they just heard, right? So they're they're reacting. And I think I'm going to, I think of the times I've been in emergency rooms and somebody comes out and says they're gone, mm-hmm. right? And I want to be able to hug them and, and, and just say, breathe. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the answers. You can't fix everything. You can't figure out what suit they want to wear 
at the funeral or if they want to be cremated or buried at you know, Woodlawn. But what you can do is to say, breathe. You, you can bring somebody some water mm-hmm. and you can say, you know, I'm, when I lost my dad, here's what we did. And, and I'm going to be with you for the next few days, weeks. Mm-hmm. Here's my cell number. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bug you every morning. I'm mm-hmm. going to send you a text. Mm-hmm. You're not going to walk through this alone. Because at that point, they mostly just need to sit and breathe. Yeah. yeah. Because doing stuff and running yeah. around isn't going to take away the grief and the trauma that they feel. Right. And the best thing psychologically to do is to sit and cry. And sometimes for me to sit and cry with somebody else and mm-hmm. hug them and to weep with those who weep. Yeah. It allows me tomorrow to maybe rejoice a little bit. And one last thing before we go to break, Joel, you said, you know, I'm a positive. I am a positive person. But when there's tragedy, it's because I have a belief system in something bigger than me. I know how to get through a crisis. I don't know how to answer why did this happen. But I know how to get through a crisis, and I know how to feel a deep sense of peace inside. And that gives me comfort. And sometimes I think I can share that comfort with other people. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, you don't, uh, to be really helpful, it's not necessarily that you don't need to have some intellectual set of answers for people. It What really matters is that you care and that you can be practically helpful to people, which is great. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking about some of the ways that people can be practically helpful to those around them that are going through a tough time. Welcome back to The Bright Side on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with your other host, Joel Hunter. But more important than us, I'd yeah. say, uh, is our guest today, Dwight Bain, who uh, this this last couple of segments, you've been educating us on the idea of, of how to help people, how to be somebody who is present and vulnerable and practically helpful with, with people who have been through what you term big T trauma. Uh, and, uh, by the way, I've decided if I ever get into rap, I'm going to go by the name big T trauma because <laughs> it just feels after he described that in so many different ways, I was like, that is a good one. That's a good, <laughs> good rap. <laughs> That's right. I almost started fake rapping and I was like, I, I knew what would come next is just tons of sweat. Me too. Yeah. I would, I would, I would sweat through my jacket yeah. if you did this. But you also alluded to little T trauma. My rap associate uh, and uh, and little T trauma was the idea of you know I've I've got eleven dollars in the bank account and bills are coming yeah. I I have I'm getting I got a traffic t- ticket I can't afford it my kids aren't doing good in school it's all these little things that add up over time and uh, I know that it's it, people deal with that stuff uh, and some do it well. And some don't do it well. I'd, I would guess probably more don't do it well because I'm in that category. Mm-hmm. I don't do it well. Um, I walk around thinking of rap names. But <laughs> what, what do you, what, what's your advice as you, as you coach people and help people through that, how to deal with stuff where they're like, you know, I'm doing okay. I got the random thing, you know, life's life, but, but I'm doing okay. Um, how, do you, how do you recommend those people deal with those little, the, the little annoying things, the little teeth? Right. So here, here's the principle. If you talk through it, you can get through it. Mm. If you talk through it, you can get through it. You know, I got a parking ticket and I got a flat tire and AAA expired. But if I'm talking through it, sometimes people will say, wow, you must think everybody's crazy. Well, I think, I think the healthy people own it because I think everybody is a flawed human in one capacity or another. And then the really healthy people, they know they have an issue. They do something about it. But not everybody needs a counselor. Yeah. Everybody needs to be honest. Everybody needs a support system. Yeah. 
when I started writing for the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, which is a bunch of really amazing, sappy stories that were so sappy that the publisher said, these are too sappy, we won't publish them. 113 rejection letters that Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield got. 113 wow. rejection letters. I did not know that. And, and then health publications in Deerfield Beach, Florida said, we'll take a chance on you. Tiny little ma and pa publisher, huh. Chicken Soup for the Soul, has sold over 500 million copies. Wow. And when I started writing for Chicken Soup, Jack Canfield said, oh, you're a counselor, huh? He said, in my experience, 80% of counselors are crazy. <laughs> I said, well, I think your number's low, but okay. And he said, because in my experience, he said, counselors, either they have their own problem or they're trying to play God with your life or they have their theory that they learned in their graduate school. And he said, it just seems like a tiny percentage have had, you know, the, the stuffings knocked out of them and they just have practical wisdom. And I said, Jack, I'm in that group. Yeah. And we've, we've lived through painful stuff and it made... Here's what happens. In a painful time, big pain, little pain, big T trauma, little T trauma, it exposes what you believe. Yeah. And I believe in community. I believe in family. I believe that tough times will make you better or stronger or resilient. Tough times will expose what you believe. Some people, the tough time comes and their family history says, go use some self-destructive behavior or hide from it with substances. Other people have a family background that says... There's no way we can get through this unless we get through it together. Yeah. Hmm. Let's talk let's talk just for a moment about not responding to problems but responding to potential. There's tell us about life works. Tell us about what that what that does. So when I wanted to grow up and work in Orlando and help people, it only made sense to make your life work. Uh, maybe one in five people in the United States it goes to counseling, needs counseling. But I believe every single person in the United States needs to experience greater potential. I think that we have a purpose, that we, we, we can find things that are meaningful and valuable, and that you can wake up going to a job that you love and a life that you love and build a life that you love to make your life work. Just today, I was meeting with our counseling team in Winter Park, and we're starting a podcast, Making Your Life Work Better. And making your life work means that you're balancing your money and you're balancing your relationships and you're balancing your time and you don't have bad habits that are destroying, you know, what matters in your life. And you're connected to your kids and your neighbors, that you have a sense of meaning and value and purpose. There's a, a wonderful concept when I speak with businessmen and, and leaders, and it's called the midlife you, because every woman in the middle years of life, 35 to 55, will go through menopause. It's physical. Yeah. Every man will go through a psychological U-shape on, on, think of a bell curve reversed upside down, and they'll go into this pit and some of them will get stuck. We call it midlife crisis for the ones that go back and they get a sports card, mm -hmm. you know, ditch this spouse and, you know, I'm not going to raise my kids. I'm going to raise somebody else's kids, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't like you. Right. And so they're trying to capture and hold on to youth. There's another group that kind of get depressed, but the research shows that the happiest men are the ones who find purpose and meaning and value. Their passion is, this is what I was born to do. And Joel Hunter Jr., that's what I see in your father, Joel Hunter mm -hmm. Sr. Mm -hmm. You found your purpose, you found meaning. And so the happiness and the joy and the contentment flows out of, this is what I was born to do. And, and Joel Hunter Sr., I'm happy to join you on that journey because Orlando is my home and I mm -hmm. want to help people 
find a way to make their life work better. Well, Boy. bless you. Yeah. You know what? I agree too. I, one of the things about heroes, I feel like the closer you get to them, the more little chinks you see in the armor and stuff like that. It's been the opposite. And you're going to hate the end of this episode, oh, but it's been the opposite with my dad. Like yes. I, I've known it. him so, you know, for my entire life and, and he's the real deal. Thank you so much for being here. Dwight, it's thank so nice you. of you. You're a and, superstar. And thank you all out there for listening. If you want to know more uh, about today, go to DwightBain.com. We will see you next time here on The Bright Side. <laughs>